Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. My Believe in Broncos podcast is presented by my friends at Superbook Sports. They have the most favorable pricing and better odds. They are the leader in Las Vegas for over 30 years. They have extensive wagering menu for everything you want to bet. And the mobile app, it's now available at Superbook.com. Coming soon, they will be at the Lodge Casino in Blackhawk. So sign up today and start betting. Welcome to my Believe in Broncos podcast. I am your host, Troy Rink from Denver 7. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Here's the rain has finally decided to go away. The sun was a diva all Memorial Day weekend. Decided to peek its head out around 7 p.m. in at least northern Colorado on Monday night. It was taunting uh, in the way it did it. Uh, But uh, obviously, sunshine is ahead. We're going to have a warm summer, as we always do. And reasons for optimism, not only for the weather, but for the Broncos. On Tuesday, we were able to view practice for like 30, 40 minutes, which is unusual during the offseason. We don't get much offseason time to see this team uh, just because of the way the NFL restrictions work. So uh, on today's show, I'm going to tell you about some of my observations from Tuesday's workout and about a couple of players specifically. Um, That's Jerry Judy and Pat Sertain. They have a common thread, Alabama. But it's not just that. There's more to it than that. But on today's show, we're going to cover that. And then upcoming this week... I am going to talk with NFL Network uh, absolute superstar James Palmer as we're going to break down some of the Broncos stuff. And also, where does it stand with Aaron Rodgers now that it's June 1st and the possibility of trading Aaron Rodgers becomes at least more manageable from a salary cap standpoint? But it does not appear that the Packers have any more inclination to trade him now than they did on draft night. Uh, And that situation bears watching. I believe it's going to drag out all the way into training camp. And I think the Packers are going to try to see if Rodgers has the stomach to hold out from training camp and feels like he'll never play a game there again. And if he does, then that's when they might say, you know what, we've had enough. We're going to get our haul for him, a couple of first-rounders, maybe a couple of seconds, a couple of players, and move on. But as of now, even though the calendar has turned to June, there is no change in the Broncos and Aaron Rodgers situation. They are a fit. We know that. They are prepared to be nimble. I know that from sources. And they also have the salary cap room. So it's something we have to keep an eye on. But what we kept an eye on, and me specifically, on Tuesday, were two former Alabama stars. And let's start with the one that played with the Broncos last year, and that is Jerry Judy, the wide receiver. You all know I was bullish on Jerry Judy from the moment they drafted him. I've said this. He's better in space than NASA. That's the kind of moves he has. This guy runs great routes. He has the potential to be a superstar. He was breaking ankles again uh, in practice on Tuesday. But we all know that he had an issue with uh, drops, and that's something that he addressed this offseason and that we've been able to see in our limited viewing periods. But I want to address something with Judy, because while I understand the criticism because of the high expectations, There is this sense that Judy was somehow this large disappointment, and I would disagree with that. Number one, he's playing with three different starting quarterbacks as a rookie receiver. No Cortland Sutton, uh, which he was missed not only from a production standpoint, 
but a leadership standpoint. Cortland Sutton in the huddle, Cortland Sutton on the field, Cortland Sutton in the locker room could have made a difference for Jerry Judy, who was frustrated at times last year with his lack of targets, uh, with uh, his own performance. I just think it would have helped to have Sutton there. He's back, and it is going to help because it's going to create mismatches. But on the subject of Jerry Judy and this idea that he somehow was this large disappointment, he wasn't. He wasn't. And I'm going to go through a few stats here, so bear with me. But when we look at NFL rookie receiving yards leaders in 2020, Judy finished sixth on that list. It goes Justin Jefferson, C.D. Lamb, T. Higgins, Chase Claypool, and then Judy. And he had 856 yards, only had the three touchdowns. That would be the one thing I would say was a disappointment. Some of that was uh, on the quarterback play. Some of it clearly was on Jerry Judy and the drops, a, a situation we will address here later in the podcast. But 52 catches, 856 yards, 16 and a half yards per catch, which I, that's a healthy number uh, in the three scores. I, I think going into the year, I predicted he was going to be around you know, 60 catches, 900 yards, six touchdowns. He didn't quite make it there, uh, but he certainly was a factor. And when you look at in terms of Broncos history, Judy was second all-time in receptions by a rookie, second only to Eddie Royal, who had 91. Man, that's a big number. In 2008, I was not covering that team. I was still covering baseball at that time. But Judy, 52, is the second most receptions by a Broncos rookie. And he also had the 856 yards. That was second. Second only, again, to Eddie Royal, 980 yards. So, And he also started his career off, Jerry Judy, with four straight uh, games with at least 50-plus receiving yards. all of I, I bring all of this up because the talent's there. You know, I, I'd say this, faith is believing in what you haven't seen. You don't need to have blind faith in Jerry Judy. It's there. You see it. You see it in the games. We've seen it in the practice field. I saw it on Tuesday. That's how good this kid is. He is walking plaid on stripes, a mismatch. That's He's that kind of player. What held him back last year ultimately from having a you know a thousand yard season and you know 60 some catches were the drops sports info solutions a company i know well because my son dagan uh, who produces this podcast he works for them on the baseball side they had judy uh second in the league with 16 drops uh they had um either depending on the website you use or the, the stat data mining company you might prefer judy ranked somewhere between 10 and 16 drops he had five drops against the chargers um, and that is not up for the debate. The fact that he had uh, just the worst game of his life against the Chargers, and it looked like his technique got off, his hands were in the wrong place. It was just all a bunch of stuff that kind of came together at once. And I said after that game, I still think he's going to be fine because he played at Alabama. He's always been a worker. This is who he is. He's not someone who shies away from adversity. He might show his frustration. I don't mind that. I don't. The modern-day athlete, they live on social media. They express things we've never heard publicly from other players of different eras. We just see it and hear it more now. I don't, I don't have an issue with that. I mean, receivers by nature that position. I mean, that's just kind of part of it. But he's never, he's never shied from adversity. And he, that next week against the Raiders, he had one of his best games, including a you know, 90-yard-plus touchdown from Drew Locke. 
that shows you the kind of talent he has. And he finishes strong with, again, the 856 yards, second most in Broncos history as a rooker, the reception, second most in Broncos history. But we had a chance to talk with Jerry Judy as, as the press corps, and I asked Jerry a couple of things, one lighthearted. If you remember this offseason, and you can find this on uh, Twitter, on his social media fee uh, feed, there was video of Jerry in his uh, – he lives somewhere in you know the Denver metro area. I don't know where, and it, it's not important. But he was in his Broncos warm-up top, shorts, Broncos shoes, running through his neighborhood with his helmet on. And I was like, man, did you lose a bet? So I asked Jerry about that. What was the the impetus behind him running? Was it some altitude training, or you know what was behind uh, that moment? And also, and more importantly. What did he see when he looked at the film and regarding the drops? And what was what did he see? What is the key for improvement? And I was able to ask Jerry those questions today, and his answers, frankly, were candid. No, I see what, what happened was uh, I, came from, I came from training. I was training, and I felt like, man, I need some conditioning. So I, I, I was already home when I thought about it. I, was like, I, need, I need some more conditioning. So I just threw my helmet on and went out there and just, man, that's basically it. It was nothing. I ain't planning to go out the glass hour every day. It just like it just happened like that. Did anyone say anything to you? Neighbors or anyone say anything? Yeah, never. Uh, a neighbor came like you can see on the video. A neighbor came and just tell me her name and and was talking and stuff, introduce herself, stuff like that. So that's it, really. And again, I I know how hard you worked in college, and now when when you went back and watched the film, was it a technique issue on drops? It looks like you've we see a guy, you know, you just nails right now. Did you go to the jugs machine? Did you alter anything from technique? What was the process after the season when you look back? Uh, mostly concentration and focus on the ball. You know, I'll be so quick to catch a run and hurry up and make a play instead of catch first, then run. So that, that mostly what it is, just try to make a play too fast and not focus on the, the bigger pitching, which is catching the ball first. So you can see Jerry Judy – the self-awareness is there. You know, he looks back at the film and sees a guy that's trying to do too much. And it's not uncommon. I mean, the joke is with rookie receivers is they're trying to turn every five-yard catch and take it to the house. Five yards into 90 yards. That works in college. That works when you're Alabama versus Vandy. That it might work against Alabama versus Clemson. It does not work in the NFL. You have to catch the ball first. It's all about possession moving the chains, keeping drives alive. And sometimes you have to just take the six-yard catch and then create a second and three, second and four. It started in the opener at Tennessee where Judy took his eye off a ball and what would have been a huge gain, uh, might have won that game. And then he had issues. Obviously, the one that's most paramount was the Chargers game. That looked like a, that went from taking his eye off the ball concentration to a technique issue. Uh, but what we've seen in our limited viewing in a couple different viewing periods Judy is really focused on watching the ball into his hands. You can see it in his drill work. You can see it when he catches passes from both Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater, that he's just focused on watching the ball into his hands and then make a play. And it sounds simple. It is simple. It's just different at this level because everything is, you go from dial-up to wireless in the NFL. Even guys who played in the SEC. The NFL, everything happens faster, and sometimes your mind speeds up, your heart rate speeds up, and you're trying to do too much, and in the process, you get away from the basic fundamentals that got you there. 
And you can see the improvement with Judy. He was asked about the quarterbacks, the differences between Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. And, you know, and Drew, he said, throws more of a, a line drive, a harder ball. Teddy has a bit of a more of a floater, more touch. Easily the best play of Tuesday's practice was Teddy Bridgewater connecting on a long pass to Jerry Judy for a touchdown. And Judy had another uh, mid-range 15, 20-yard first down where he was taunting the defense because the, the defense was getting after it. It was spirited at times. And that is a, the reason I say it's of note regarding Bridgewater completing that pass is because of the fact the one thing that was lacking with Jerry Judy's game last year was the deep ball. And he and Drew Locke, there was not a worse pairing in the NFL last year than Locke and Judy. They could not get on the same page. And for me, I do side on that with more blame on Locke because he had trouble getting air under the ball. If you go back and look at some of those, it just it, they were too linear. They're just the line drive. They needed to have a chance to throw it up and go make a play. And Judy's kind of one big play on a deep play, frankly, was the 50-50 ball that Brett Rippon threw him against the Jets when he got a touchdown. And that's one thing that was lacking in that chemistry between Locke and Judy. And we've seen it, and I've seen it early a couple times between Bridgewater and Judy. Does not mean Judy's winning the job, Bridgewater's winning the job because of that. But it is something to file away. Because if this offense is going to be what they need it to be, the reason Pat Shermer was hired in part was because of his willingness to throw the ball downfield. When you look at his last year with the Giants as the head coach and his completions and attempts over 20 yards in that regard. Well, you can't be that offense and that coordinator if you can't connect on the deep ball. So keep an eye on that because Drew today looked like he was pressing a little bit to me. And pitching, they call it like aiming, like you're trying so hard that you lose some of your athleticism and athletic ability because you're just trying so hard to get a ball into one spot. And in pitching, you say like, okay, you got to let it go. Be free. Stop aiming the ball and stop trying so hard. Just let it go. And again, it's June 1st. But the one thing I did notice both in practice throws and then in the drills is Teddy Bridgewater, the deep ball connection to Jerry Judy, something to file away. But he was not the only Alabama star to put on a bit of a show at practice. And this other player has done well from the moment he stepped on the field. And we'll talk about him after the break. My show is presented in part by Hoggett Injury Law. With us, it's personal. Speaking of personal, let me tell you about my friend Darby Hoggett. I've known Darby for about a decade, coached his son in travel baseball. We used to hang out at games, talk about sports, especially the Denver Broncos. He's a big fan. We have become good friends. In fact, many of his clients have become his good friends. You don't even have to pay Darby up front. If your case goes as planned, Darby will be the one writing checks to you. If you've been hurt in a car wreck or injured at work, give his team a call at 1-833-HOGGIT. That's 1-833-H-O-G-G-A-T-T. Or find out more, visit their website at www.hoggetlaw.com. Welcome back to the Believe in Broncos podcast. I am your host, Troy Rank from Denver 7. And it is that time of the offseason where we start grinding away a little bit. We're getting closer to training camp. We're 100 days away from the beginning of the regular season, if you can believe it, and the first ever regular season of 17 games. So there will be no 8-8 eight eight teams this year. Will there be a Broncos team with a winning record for the first time in four years? Will there be a Broncos team going to the playoffs for the first time since Super Bowl 50? 
The drought is real. It has been the juxtaposition of these last five years compared to the Manning era is just dizzying. But there's some positive signs for the Broncos. They've certainly improved their talent level. Quarterback, we don't know yet. It's Again, there's a derby between Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. I asked Vic Fangio about how splitting the reps and kind of accelerating that derby, and he didn't deny that. That He said he did a short study a couple years ago about how many snaps veterans played and young guys played in preseason, and his conclusion was, Veterans benefited from playing more snaps, and young guys should have played more snaps. And he indicated that he wanted more snaps for Teddy Bridgewater because he's new to the system, and Drew Locke, who's still a relatively young quarterback, entering his third year. So I would say look for them. Maybe that first starting group uh, in the first preseason game, maybe they go a quarter and a half, and then that next one you go two, and then they make a decision on the quarterback after the second preseason game. I think there will be separation, frankly, after the first preseason game. And we'll have a better idea. And the player that takes care of the call the ball the best, I'm telling you right now, is going to win that job. Because they have to go, at the bare minimum, 2-1 and one in September. Or guys, coaches, this coaching staff will not be back next year. I mean, it's because the schedule is too hard at the end. But the home schedule allows for a winning record if you start off fast. One of the reasons they could be better is their defense on paper has a chance to be a top-five defense. Bryce Callahan believes their secondary can be the best secondary in football. For that to happen, they got to get takeaways. They haven't had enough takeaways. They've had fewer takeaways in two years under Fangio than he had in his last season with that Bears defense, which was the top defense in the NFL. But they are better from a talent standpoint because Pat Sertain, the rookie, has looked apart from the moment he has stepped on the field. And I know it's June, Troy, it's May, you're defending the pick because it wasn't Justin Fields. Listen, I was in on Justin Fields. I wanted him to take Justin Fields at nine, whether he played it down. Because then if the season goes sour, maybe he plays one game or he doesn't, and then you start over next year and you got Justin Fields. So I'm not defending the certain pick and not taking Justin Fields. I'm on record. You can find it anywhere. I wanted Justin Fields. They didn't go to that direction. They preferred Trey Lance a little more than Fields. So... They had Pat Sertain ranked as their fifth best player in the draft and the best defensive player in the draft. Well, what I've seen early and in talking to players both publicly and privately, man, they are impressed. It doesn't take long to see this kid grew up as the son of a former NFL star in Pat Sertain, the cornerback, who played several years with the Dolphins, was in the league, what, 13 years? What you notice about him, his technique, He's so polished. This guy's got more polished than Pledge. I watch him, and I'm like, this is a rookie? I watch him falling out of a coverage into a different coverage. I watch him playing inside. I watch him playing on the outside. And he just, if you didn't know he was a rookie, you, you'd have no idea because there's guys that just walk into the league and feel ready. That's him. Now, he doesn't have the top-end speed of some of the great corners, but from a technique standpoint and an IQ standpoint, there is a lot to like about Pat Sertain. And again, he goes by Pat. That's his choice. Uh, that's what he wants to be referred to. And he is doing a lot of good things early. The other thing you notice right away is just his length. They list him at 6'2", but I mean, he looks when he stands next to Justin Simmons. I mean, if you told me he was 6'3", I'd believe it. He is long and lanky and rangy. And last year, the Broncos cornerback position was just absolute mess of lack of depth when Callahan was hurt 
Um, when he went out, they were just left naked at times, especially against the Falcons. They had a couple cornerbacks out. Michael Ojemudie, and he showed some progress, but he missed tackles, and he just he had a tough go a couple games. But now he's a depth guy, and that's when you know your team's getting better. As a guy who could start is now a backup, and that's when you when I look at the good Broncos teams I covered, they had backups capable of starting. Uh, Kayvon Webster comes to mind. But when that's if your backup is a Kayvon Webster, how good is your secondary? Oh wow, it's really good that he can't start. But I look at this secondary now with Justin Simmons, with Kareem Jackson, Ronald Darby, Kyle Fuller, and Pat Sertain. That is a dramatically improved secondary. Sertain's going to play. He's going to play a lot, whether it's in sub-packages, whether it's outside. Because Kyle Fuller, we haven't seen yet. And it's OTAs. It's voluntary OTAs. But there does seem to be a, a difference. Like they, It seemed like they thought he was going to be here. The secondary coaches have talked to him. Vic Fangio said today that he believes that uh, you will see Fuller here before the mandatory OTAs in a couple weeks. But... I'm interested to see him because in 2018, Kyle Fuller was one of the best players uh, in the league. I mean, he was an all-pro cornerback. We did not see that guy last year. And he hasn't traditionally skipped OTAs. That's why it's a little surprising to me. Again, not passing judgment. It's voluntary. But it's a little surprising he's not here. I'm not surprised with Melvin Gordon. I talked with Melvin Gordon. You can go find that on my podcast, that long conversation with Melvin. But he's just not an OTA guy. He does his own thing, works out on his own. He's worked out with Teddy Bridgewater in Florida before Teddy came up here. So that's good. There's some relationship there. But I'm a little surprised Fuller's not here just because this is a kind of a make-good year for him, one-year deal with Fangio. Regardless, he's not. It doesn't matter. But Bryce Callahan is, and he's looked good. So as he was telling us today one of the interesting things is he's not coming off rehab for the first time in two years. And I can't tell you how much that helps a player to not spend their offseason trying to get back to their main ability, get back to their baseline. The best offseasons are guys who are healthy and get bigger, stronger, faster, work on their technique. You can't do that when you're recovering from injury. Everything you do is based on recovery and rehab. And Now, you can get stronger in rehab, but the huge jump in performance is more difficult because of the fact you're basically trying to get your body healthy. And in Bryce Callahan... Again, he was out there today. If he's healthy, he's he's a Pro Bowl-type corner. And this allows them, with the versatility I think they're going to have, to move Callahan inside if they want. Because at slot, he's one of the best in the league. And they might be able to do that because of the versatility of Pat Sertain, what I'm seeing early from Pat Sertain and how he handles stuff. And I asked Callahan about that. You know, what, do you, what, do you, what are the impressions this young kid, this young rookie has made so far here early during OTAs? Oh, man, he's, he's a baller. Just from what I've seen so far, you know, he has great size. He's a big corner. He's disciplined in his, his technique, and he, he's learning the defense, multiple positions really fast, which is – in this defense, which is, which is rare for a rookie. So, I mean, hats off to him. Yeah, and again, Callahan's not the only one that's been impressed by Pat Sertain. Von Miller said the same thing. Players that I've texted with privately, they're just like, man, might have got something here with this kid. You know, absent of the quarter, separate of the quarterback conversation on whether they should have taken Justin Fields or not, uh, they didn't miss on this kid. And he's not a quarterback. Quarterback's a great multiplier. A good quarterback's worth more than a good corner. But I do think <laughs> there's a reason George Payton fell in love with this kid. I mean, he, he was with the Dolphins when the dad was there, George Payton was. 
and you could tell the admiration he had for the father and he saw a lot of the similar traits in his son who's actually frankly even more athletic because he's taller and lengthier but and, and and has length but he's made an impression and jerry judy again i remain bullish on judy that the drops issues you you saw a year ago i expect the drops to be cut in half he made he's not going to get the same number of targets with Cortland Sutton, but there's no reason to think Jerry Judy can't have 60 catches for a thousand yards and six touchdowns and Pat Sertain to be in the running for defensive rookie of the year. And that's if that happens, then Denver is going to be in that nine and eight range, ten and seven range. If the very least they will have a winning record. I have no doubt about that if those two perform up to their expectations. So Hope you enjoyed it. That's our podcast today. Again, I'll have James Palmer uh, later in the week talking all things Broncos and some Aaron Rodgers talk. This podcast, it's always a blast. It's going to be a little different at times until we get into training camp. I have some other guests I'm lining up as well. Thanks to my son, Dagan, for always producing the podcast. And this podcast would not be possible if not for Superbook Sports. My friends over there and all the great work they do, uh, especially this time of year with the playoffs, check them out at superbooksports.com. And certainly my good friend Darby Hoggett and his law firm, I appreciate. They were the first sponsor to jump on. So we'll never forget that as they jumped on board as the first sponsor of uh, the Believe in Broncos podcast. So, again, I do this podcast for you. Happiness, that begins with me. Go out there and have a great day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.